Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Susie Luo is the author of Paper Names, a novel. Susie is a writer based in New York. She graduated from the University of Pennsylvania and Cornell Law School. She wrote at night while working as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs. Paper Names is her first book. Welcome, Susie. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Paper Names. Of course. I'm so excited to be here. I love this because here I am on the Upper East Side reading about the Rosewood on the Upper West Side and like the trips to the Hamptons and all of that. It's, this is really wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely get inspired by what's around me. Are you in New York? Yeah, I live on the Upper West Side. Oh, great. Awesome. Well, why don't you tell listeners what Paper Names is about? Sure. So Paper Names is a story about two families who 
are on different tracks of the American dream. And then they're set on a collision course with each other. One is a Chinese family who immigrated to the States. And the other is a white wealthy family with a dark secret. An unexpected act of violence happens at the beginning of the story and that ties the two families together. And then we follow the characters over two to three decades as they make decisions that both reflect on who they are and who they want to become. That's amazing. You are a great writer and I feel like you immediately get us into the scenes. I am so rooting for Tony, even though I shouldn't be rooting for Tony, but you have like all these complex characters. And I've always wanted to read, maybe this sounds silly, like just growing up in New York City, I always want to know more about the lives of the doormen. I even wrote an article about this for Quest magazine like a long time oh. ago, <laughs> like what your doormen must be thinking about you. I should send it to you. But you give the whole backstory of Tony's life. And even though he does things that we might not agree with, you also paint him in a way that we want to root for him and his family because here he is, this like amazing engineer coming over and being a doorman and studying and like this image of him in the lobby with the dictionary is so amazing. And, you know, Tammy, you did nine-year-old girl talk very well. I have a nine-year-old girl, so this is particularly interesting for me. I don't know. I, I feel like the way you paint people where we see all their weaknesses, like Oliver hiding out and not helping, but then make them sympathetic by like whatever's happening with his grandfather. I don't know. It's very cool the way you did it all. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to read the book. I think honestly on this publishing journey, it's publishing such a black box. There's so many ups and downs, but something I keep trying to remind myself is I just never thought people would ever read what I wrote. <laughs> so I just always want to be grateful and thankful for having that. Oh, well, it's fast paced. Like it's easy to inhale the book, which I love for time starved readers, but also you just like can't help rooting for everyone in different ways. Was that your intention or is that just what I'm taking out of it? Or tell me about where the, even the germs of this idea came from and, and all of that. Yeah. And so I started writing paper names the first month of lockdown. So May, 2020, we were all on pause, right? Isolated, not seeing our family and friends. And during that time, it also struck me that I was missing the small daily interactions, yep. like saying hi to my doorman, saying hi to the security guard outside my office, like the cafeteria lady who I always saw. I seen these people sometimes more often than my closest friends and family, right? And like I'm sure everyone can relate to that. These are the interactions that really fill up the fabric of our lives. So that's kind of where the germ started. I want to explore a relationship between a doorman and the residents of a wealthy building. Just thinking about how do they interact, but past that, how do they actually think about how they're each interacting? And, and what would make their lives actually intersect more than just a daily small talk? Uh, so yeah, that's how I came up with paper names. And I'm so glad you root for all the characters because sometimes I think I worried that it'd be difficult to root for some of them. Yeah. But to me, they're so real. Like it's so real. Yeah. When I get into writing, it's like I actually dream like them. Like I think about them all the time. Like even when I, I go for a lot of runs in Central Park, I'm just always thinking about them. And what I do love is even though the beginning of the book is always harder to write because I'm trying to figure them out towards the end, I'm just like sprinting because I know exactly what they would say or wouldn't say. And that's a really rewarding part. I'm sure, you know, cause you've written as well. Like everyone loves, like when you get to that, like kind of two thirds juncture, you're like, okay, I know who these people are. Now I'm just 
uh, going to be able to finish the story. Like knowing you can finish it is so satisfying. That is a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tony's immigrant experience also, I feel like, highlights what we hear about so often. Oh, you know, so-and-so left behind his job as an engineer, and now he's a doorman, and here he's studying. And But this is so different because you let us, and this is like the joy of fiction, really, it, when you're in somebody's home and heart and mind, and you see what they're up against. And, you know, even when Tony is fantasizing that Maybe after this class, he'll get a job at, what, Netscape or something? Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, the and, 90s. Yeah, right? AOL. I was like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's the hopes. Everybody clings on these little dreams and hopes. And then you see their hopes dashed when like Oliver walks by. And, or I think it was Oliver. Somebody walks by. And it's just like, oh, it's too late for him. Why is he even bothering mm-hmm. with the dictionary? And it's so sad, but inspiring at the same time. And people's perceptions, like you say, are just, um, you know, often misaligned with what's really going on. So I, I appreciated that look into into Tony's psyche, even though I don't know, I don't know why I keep talking about him. I, I just found him to be such a captivating character. Um, and obviously Oliver and all of his foibles too. And even Oliver's mom. I mean, there's so many great characters. It was so fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed writing them. I think Tony came to me the easiest. Oliver actually came to me first. Okay. He was, I had written, just like dabbled with a few short stories before. And Oliver was always the main character of those short stories. Because I think something I was always interested in was what I call like performative goodness. Yeah. You know, like, why do we do nice things? Is it so other people can see it? What if like no one can see it? <laughs> and then, you know, he transformed to this bigger character. The hardest to write for me was Tammy. I loved yeah. writing her when she was young. Like, I'm so yeah. glad you like that nine-year-old voice because yeah. that was so fun for me to like totally switch yep. bodies and yep. remember what it was like. And I remember Googling like, you know, songs of the 90s, just like yep. getting yep. back into that era. But I thought it was actually really hard for me to write older Tammy because Uh, She's not me at all, but I felt like that would be the natural implication uh, that's like, oh, I'm writing myself. And so I think I I held her at arm's length for a long time being like, no, no, no. It's like, I know she's a lawyer, but she's not me. (laughs) Like, I promise. (laughs) And then finally, once I really felt like she was her own character, I was able to dive in more. Interesting. So what are like some of the messages you want people to take away from the book? Like when you think about all of the scenes and how it all adds up to this wonderful story. When we put the book down, like what are you hoping people take away? So one main topic I thought about the entire time while writing was identity. Mm -hmm. I feel like identity is so complicated and it's always in flux, right? A lot of people say that your identity is made up of uh, where you were born, who you were born to, what culture you were raised in, what your family values are. But I tend to see those things as more of your background. Those are things like you didn't choose. And to me, your identity is made up of your decisions, the choices you get to make. And I just want to explore what that looks like when you get to choose who you are because of or in spite of your past. I love that. Yeah. Even through all the generations too. I mean, yeah. you really showed that well. How did you get started writing? Tell me your whole story. Where'd you grow up? Who are you? Tell me, tell me about, tell me about you. 
So I was born in China and I came over to Flushing, Queens when I was three. Okay. We spent some time there, but I mostly grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. Okay. Then I went to Penn for undergrad and then Cornell for law school. And then I went straight to becoming a lawyer for three years in New York City. And then I left my job. I, I actually really, I didn't hate being a lawyer at all. And a lot of my best friends are still from that law firm. So I'll always be grateful. Can you say what law firm? Okay. I was at Sherman and Sterling oh, uh, doing okay. M&A law. Oh, wow. And then I left to actually travel through Europe for a while. So I kind of went on like a solo, I think it was five month journey through Europe. And I just like wanted a reset. It just felt like I had been on a track all my life, you know, like college, law school, law firm. And I just yeah. wanted to pause and be like, is this actually what I want? And then when I came back, I still remember I had, you know, my European like backpacking clothes. I was sleeping on a friend's couch in Brooklyn and my parents were just like, so like, what are you going to do now? And I was just like, oh man. And I had a few friends who had worked at Goldman Sachs and, you know, through my travels, I had realized that one thing I did want was to work at a place that was efficient and gave me a lot of autonomy and was comprised of very smart, hardworking people because that would inspire me to be the same. But I wanted a creative job. So I actually searched the word creative on the Goldman Sachs <laughs> career portal. Uh, yeah. And my job popped up. It was the number one search result. But I think the requirements were like MBA, you know, like three to five years as a financial analyst. And I, I had none, literally, I think none of the requirements. But I was like, oh, I have a JD that's like comparable. You know, like I have worked as a lawyer. But I knew I would never get through HR. So I actually just Googled the team and found out who was leading it in New York. And I just cold emailed him. I was just like, this is why I want to work on this team. This is why I think I'd be good for it. And then I emailed him at 8 a.m. on a Friday. At 30 minutes later, I got a call from HR being like, can you come in today for an interview? What? Yeah. And I tried to push that. They were like one o'clock. I was just like, I have no work clothes, you know, like I had nothing on me. And I was like, oh, how about like two o'clock? And I remember like running like into a taxi, like going to theory, like this, uh, <laughs> this amazing like store manager, like running around after me being like, oh, try this on. Like it was like a scene out of a movie. <laughs> and then I remember rushing into the office. And I think why my interview went so well is like, I didn't prep at all. I was just like very much myself. And I was like, I want you to know, I don't know any finance, but I'm going to learn it. This is not how like life works. Like it's not just that like you come in with the knowledge. Sometimes like you do get some leeway to just learn it if you want. Yeah. So I, that was probably my perfect corporate job. If I had to stay in corporate, I would still work there. And, Wait, what, what was the yeah. job? Creative what? Uh, I was an investment banker, but for future technologies. So I would speak to uh, big corporates and private equity about virtual reality or like hmm. smart cities. Um, it was a lot of storytelling, just like naturally built in. Like, oh, where are we now? Where do we think we'll go? Uh, what companies will lead us there? And my boss, Brian, was great. Probably still the best boss I've ever had. So again, like I didn't leave because it was a bad job. But I think all of like my experiences together somehow added up into writing. And I don't have any plans of leaving this writing job I have. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Yeah. So now you're writing full time. Yes. Wow. That's so cool. So have you already written your next book? Uh, so I'm in the middle of it. Okay. I did write a whole nother book before this second book I'm writing because I think like, you know, paper names... It's more character driven, right? There is a plot, but it's like, I wrote paper names totally without an outline, just like one chapter at a time. I just like pantsed it. And I was like, looking back, I just felt like a lot of hooks uh, for great novels have a more thriller or mystery-like plot line. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do next. So I actually wrote like 20 chapters of that book. And then I was just like, I just don't care about it as much. But I found three characters in that book who I did care about. And those are the three I focus on in the second book. I love that you said you found the characters. That's so, you know, our subconscious is so bizarre. Yeah. And the way that writing works, that you create them in one, you're like, oh, great. Now I'll just transport them over here. Well, I often feel like I try to not write about what I actually want to write about. Cause like, it's, it's like too real. It's like hard to go there sometimes that I have to almost like write around it to be like, okay, fine. Like kind of convincing myself, like we can go there and then, you know, starting a new book, but with those three already. In what the do you really want to write about? One thing that sparks my writing is often confusion, you know, like why did that person do that? Or like, why did this person say that to me? That was so hurtful. Or, you know, like, even if I'm on a third party witnessing an interaction that I found 
just baffling. I just feel like every character or every person, whatever they're doing in their own world, it makes sense. There's like a internal logic. They're not actually just crazy or, you know, and that's what's so interesting to me. Like, why did that person do something I just can't understand? And so in writing, I try to understand that person. And I feel like that's provided me with a lot of um, self-therapy, I guess. Because <laughs> once you understand someone, you can empathize with them and forgive them too. Wow. So during the pandemic, you really missed the day-to-day interactions. Mm-hmm. You're a writer, which can be very isolating also. Yes. Uh, do you write at home or where do you go to work? And how do you make sure to keep those little moments in your life? Uh, so I do write at home. I have uh, a great dog that she just uh, curls up next to me as I write. And it's, I, I love my home. I feel like I really try to make it a place that every night when I come home, it's like my little nest. So I do write here, but I, you know, I try to work out every day, whether it's yoga or like a run in the park. And you start seeing similar faces, you know, over and over again. And it's just like nice to, have a community that's outside of writing as well. And then I also have to make a concerted effort to make sure I plan dinners and time with friends. With writing, it's so hard because I'm my own boss. So in a lot of ways, it's like, yeah, I'm supposed to write today. But sometimes then it's like 11 p.m. And I'm like, ah, okay, I have to still write today. You know, like I, I like wasted my whole day away. I don't even know what I was doing. And then you feel like you never have time to see people because you're always like behind on your schedule. Uh, so I think just keeping busy helps me actually be productive. Yeah. It's like that whole thing, give a busy person something to do. Yeah, exactly. A lot faster. And I'm like, I have to do these three things. They don't get done. But when I have to do 300 things, they get done. <laughs> or like, it's like always during final season, you're all of a sudden like uber productive, you know, right. like, and you've never seen yourself this way. But then the second it's over, you're just like a sloth yeah. on the couch. Like, <laughs> What types of books do you like to read? I love to read books about complicated characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really love reading Zadie Smith. Mm -hmm. I really love Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. A lot of people say like, oh, I don't like books with unlikable characters. I, they have to be likable enough. Like, so I root for them, but I just feel like everybody's so flawed. No one's going to like everybody. Right. Like, and that's, what's so interesting about books. Like I get to read about people doing bad things, but in a way that I can understand. Yeah. I love that. So when you uh, were thinking of like comps for this book, what were some of your comps? Just wondering. I don't think they were correct comps because, <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I came from banking. I, yeah. I Googled the 10 best agents to send it to. And then the comps I had for my book were actually the two authors who inspired me to write. They were Zadie Smith and Gillian Flynn because- okay. Those were the first two books I read where I felt like the voice just jumped off the page. Mm -hmm. And it felt like so much their own voice that I felt like, oh my God, maybe I have a voice too, that I don't need to just be a reader, that I can put my voice on a page. Uh, So I think I comped it to like, I was like, oh, it's like the multi-generational narrative of Zadie Smith's white teeth and the character-driven thriller elements of Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl. Looking back, I think it's hilarious because <laughs> from what I've heard from other writers, most of them don't comp like Zadie Smith and Gillian Flynn. Yeah, I think they just know of more books that are more similar to theirs, but it worked, I guess. I think the real comp to my book from what I've heard from my publisher and 
other people who have read it is uh, Mary Beth Keene's Ask Again Yes. Oh, yeah. I did read that. Yeah. I think our, st- our style of writing is similar. Hers is also similar. It's like, you know, not so plotty, but a lot of character switches points of view. Um, yeah. yeah I, I love that book. Interesting. So I'm happy that that's my comp. <laughs> <laughs> So great. Okay. Well, this is wonderful. I really love this story and I feel like these are characters I'm going to keep thinking about for a while. And I just, yeah, hats off to you. It's really great. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me here. No, it was a pleasure. All right. Hope our paths connect soon, (laughs) especially right here in the city. Oh my goodness. You should have come Yeah. Be good to meet up. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 